I was in a really bad neighborhood, like really bad, dangerous bad. Um, and I was, to be honest, I was scared. I should have been scared. It was, it was a very dangerous neighborhood. I grew up in Flint, Michigan. I don't know what you know about Flint. Um, not the greatest city in the world, not the safest city in the world. And to be really honest, this is not about me. This is just about the, the place where I grew up. Um, I've only been scared in a city two times, and this was one of those times. I was in a, a neighborhood in Philadelphia, and if you, if you ever are in those kind of urban environments, there's certain things you look for to know this probably isn't a safe place, and all those boxes are getting checked, check, 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 check. And so I was afraid, as I should have been, <laughs> as I should have been. Now, here's the thing. Fear sometimes can actually be helpful. Yes? Like, if a lion jumps out, should you be afraid and run away? Yes. You shouldn't be like, oh, kitty. No, right? That's, right? And the same thing in this place. Fear helped me be aware of my place. I'm saying all that to say this. We're in this series called Faith and, Fear and Faith in Uncertain Times, and uncertain times are going to happen, yes? Whether you feel it right now or you'll feel it in the future, it's going to happen. And one of the emotions we feel in the midst of that is fear. And that's going to happen, yes? yes. Should it happen? Yes. yes. The question is not, will I have fear? The question is, what am I going to do with that? And in many ways, what I would argue is that God is inviting us into something bigger, into a life of faith. Can I live in faith even though I might be in a place of fear? Can I live in faith? See, I think the interesting thing about the answer to that question, the, the thing that enables us to live in faith, has almost nothing to do with what we have and has everything to do with what we give. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me. We're going to dance around a bit today, but if you'd start in Romans chapter 12, there will be some of this on the screen, but not all of it today. So as we dance around, if you do have your Bible, I invite you to... Join me in it. And I want to read the first two verses of, and I think I can do this right, maybe. Caleb, can you help me out here? There we go. Okay. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you to a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will, God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Will you bow your heads and hearts with me and pray together? God, we welcome you into this space. We know that you are here, and so we pray that you would open our hearts, all of us, to what you would have for us. We pray that you would teach as only you can to us and through us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. All right, hold your, if you have a physical Bible, hold your finger in that spot or put a bookmark in there or whatever, and we're gonna flip over to Exodus chapter three. That's way back in the beginning of the Bible. Exodus chapter three. And I wanna talk about, I wanna kind of walk through some interesting things that we see happening. So, I'm not going to read this whole part. I'm going to jump into a few verses that will be on the screen, but if you have it, 
You might want to kind of follow along. So the story goes that there was this shepherd, and his name was Moses. And so this shepherd, Moses, uh, was doing every day what shepherds do, which is watch sheep, right? And so he's watching these sheep, and he's kind of minding his own business. But every day, not only is he watching sheep, he's also doing something else, which is this. He's kind of looking over his shoulder. See, because Moses has a past, Moses has done some things that aren't, he's not so proud of. In fact, Moses, is, you can go back and look at it. It's a pretty fascinating story in Exodus 1 and 2, but he murdered people. He's run from people. He's run from his God. He's doing all of these things that he's probably not super proud of, and he knows that some people would love to get their hands on him. And so here he is shepherding, but with an eye kind of always over his shoulder, always wondering Who's going to come round the bend? And then one day someone does come, in fact, for Moses. Someone who knows him, knows all about him, knows who he is. But it isn't the kind of person that Moses ever expected. So Moses sees this bush burning. Now, in that particular part of the world, it's not uncommon, we know, because it's very dry there, for bushes to actually catch on fire all on their own. Static electricity, blah, 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 all these things will happen. And so it's not actually uncommon. It's not the newest thing in the world for those things to just kind of burst into flames every once in a while. But this bush is different because not only did it burst into flames, it's not burning up. And then out of this bush, something interesting happens. God calls Moses. And here's what's fascinating. The first thing God says is, Moses, Moses. And basically what he's saying right then and there is that he knows Moses' name, but he also knows everything about Moses. So Moses has to wrestle with, what am I going to do with this God? What am I going to do with this person? And so God begins to speak to him, and God begins to tell him that he knows what's going on. God's aware of what's happening. And so we see uh, here, I think... Can I get the next one? Thank you, Caleb. But, um, nope, it's too far. Okay, um, sorry, my fault. Um, so God calls Moses, and he says to him, look, I need you to do something for me. I need you to go to Pharaoh. Now, this is a big ask, and there's a whole bunch to this. Moses really doesn't even fully understand what that means, but what he does know is this. That's the people he's running from. Those are the people who are after him. And God says, I want you to go to those people. And then go ahead and put the next one up if you would for me, Caleb. Thank you. And then Moses protested. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? Who am I? And then hear this. Go ahead to the next one. Thank you. God answers in verse 12. I will be with you. God knows us. And God is with us. Here's the thing. We all have a past, yes? We all have some stuff that maybe we're not so proud of. We all have some things in our life. God knows that about us. God knows all those things. God knows who we are. God loves us. But hear this, God is with us. Now, does it always feel like God is with us? <laughs> no, probably not. But God is with us. So turn to your neighbor and say, God knows you and God's with you. Perfect, 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 perfect. 
You ever feel alone? You ever feel like nobody understands what's going on in your life? Do you ever feel like you're unknown? Like sometimes we feel like nobody possibly can understand what I'm going through right now in this moment. Sometimes we're in those places. In fact, when those uncertain times <laughs> that we talked about come, they kind of lead us towards this feeling of isolation. They lead us to these moments when we feel like we're all alone. They lead us to these places where we're not sure anybody can hear us or anybody's with us. But God knows us and God is with us. So I want to pick up the story again in verse 13. So it goes like this. If you can hit my next one for me, Caleb, thank you. Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? Okay, next one. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. I want you to see something really significant that's happening in this passage. Uh, there's so much going on. We don't have time for all the pieces of it, but I want you to see a couple things. Number one, God shares his name for the very first time with anyone. This is a, not a small thing, right? What's the power of a name? So if I know your name, what can I do? I can call you. I can talk about you. Yes, I can say that Josh Lanier, let me tell you about him, and it can be either something good or something not so good, yes? And this is why a lot of young people, if you don't know this, a lot of young people guard kind of their information a little carefully because people can say all kinds of things about you online, yes? They can say good or they can say bad, right? Knowing someone's name actually has power. And God knows this. God already revealed that he knows Moses' name, but here's really where things get interesting. God doesn't just say, I know you. Hear this. God says, I want you to know who I am. Not just in a small way, not just in a know about me way. I want you to know me. I want to invite you into this kind of relationship with me. And this is utterly fascinating. Now, there's a whole bunch around the I am who I am. You can probably tell there's something cool going on there and around God's name, but we don't have time for all that. But the big thing is God shows us that he knows who we are, that he knows us, and that he calls us to know him. You ever wonder, what am I doing here? If you're a human, probably. <laughs> and, and a lot of us ask these questions sometimes in, moments of big transition, sometimes just in moments of loneliness, sometimes just every day. What am I doing here? And can, part of what I want you to see in this story that God, I think, has for us in the midst of this series in particular is that God has purpose for you. God wants to do something in you and through you that is more than just enough to get by. It's more than just surviving the next day. God has something he wants to do in you and through you that will change the world. 
So here we are in this story. There was a shepherd named Moses who God shows up to. And, and this God calls him out of this bush. And because God calls him, then Moses says, like all of us do, sure, God, whatever you want. No, that's not at all what happens. <laughs> maybe you can relate to this, maybe you can't, but I know I can. <laughs> so what Moses does is start giving excuses. <laughs> uh, if you can put the next one up for me, Caleb, thank you for yeah, the Lord asked him, no, no, the one before that one, sorry, thank you. I think there should be one before that, is there not? Okay, all right, so, so God says to Moses, all of these things, here's what I want you to do, here's where I have you going, and then Moses says, ah, I don't think you have the right person. <laughs> and then Moses starts giving excuses. Have you ever given an excuse to God? <laughs> Why are people laughing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you can go online, there are these excuse generators. <laughs> but we don't need them, do we? Like, I think it's funny that they exist, but... So, like, if you want an excuse why not to help somebody move, you can go online and there's all these excuses. Or, like, why I didn't do my homework, or why I don't want to go out on another date with you, or whatever it is, right? All those things are on there. But I don't think we need them. That's the funny thing, right? All of us are pretty good at making excuses. Yes? Yeah? Okay, let's... All right, turn to your neighbor. Let's just get this out. Say, I'm good at making excuses. Go ahead, confess. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, yeah, we all are. We all are. We all are. But here's the thing. When we get in these uncertain circumstances, oftentimes, and we feel like God might be asking us to do something, hear me on this, when we feel like God might be asking us to do something and we don't know how it's going to go, then we often don't want to say yes. And so we make these excuses. And so what's interesting in the story, go ahead and put that next verse up. Thank you, Caleb. It's interesting. God asked Moses, what's in your hand? So this is a staff. Moses says it's a shepherd's staff. This isn't a shepherd's staff. This is from Bob. Thanks, Bob. Everybody say, thanks, Bob. Maybe he can hear us. I think he's in G-Town. Um, this is an interesting, interesting staff. So on this staff, Bob has used this. If you don't know, Bob has led lots, all kinds of uh, Boy Scouts and Cub Scouts and all kinds of things. And on here are some little badges and things from different hikes he's been on. And then he's marked it like so you can tell how deep water is and things like that. There's a lot of character in this staff. So Bob let me use this for this illustration today. Now, for in the part of the world where Moses was, shepherds would get a staff. It was probably a little bigger than this. Probably had a, because he's a shepherd, probably did have like a curve on the end in order to pull sheep and get them out of trouble and things like that. But this isn't a bad representation. And what's interesting is a shepherd would take this staff, and if you don't know, the shepherds have lots of downtime because <laughs> sheep are dumb and they mostly just sit around. And so what they would do, at least in this part of the world, what they do with their staff is um, they start at the bottom, and as life happens, they start carving things that represent different moments in their life. So you might imagine, like, I don't know what would happen in the life of a shepherd, but maybe, maybe there was a time when, when a wolf came and tried to eat some of the sheep. And so the shepherd might very well carve onto his staff this picture of a wolf or something that came. And then maybe there's a, a picture of a flood that happened that was really significant for them or Whatever, And so basically what you would see in a shepherd's staff is basically his life. 
his past, his present, and always a shepherd would leave a blank part because there's more to come, right? There's future, yeah? Yeah, and so the staff would represent all kinds of things. It would represent a life, a, a past, a present, a future. It would also represent, I'm going to use a churchy phrase here. Some of you will recognize it. It also represents the time, talent, and treasure, right? It represents what he, he might do with the time that he has, what he might do with the gifts he's been given, and what he might do with his treasure. In some ways, the staff is a treasure because it's one of the most valuable tools. And so God says, what's in your hand? And it's easy to see this and just read that it's a staff, and that's it. But I want you to hear this. What God says is, what's in your hand? And this is not just a shepherd's staff. This is his life. And what does God say? He says, throw it down. And for a shepherd, this is a big ask. (laughs) Not just because it's a valuable tool, but what he's saying to Moses is, I want your life. Will you trust me with your past, your present, your future? Will you trust me with your time, with your talent, with your treasure? Will you trust me with everything you are? And so if you know the story, Moses throws it down. Throws it down. Now, if you know the story, It's kind of interesting what happens to the staff. What happens? It turns into a snake, right? Now, if you don't know this, the snake represents in the scripture evil, (laughs) bad things. It's kind of interesting, right? In many ways, whether we like to admit it or not, if we're honest, our lives are full of things that we are not so proud of, of evil and brokenness and all of those things. And sure enough, that's exactly what Moses' life becomes. And then catch this, what does God tell him to do? Once it becomes a serpent, I don't know how how willing any of you would be to do this. We didn't bring in snakes today. We're not that kind of Kentucky church. (laughs) But (laughs) they are in Kentucky. But he says, reach down and grab it by the tail. And he grabs it by the tail and it becomes staff again. And part of what God is saying to Moses in this story, and I think part of what he's saying to us who are sitting in this room today is, I want your life. Tired of living in fear? Tired of living in uncertainty? Tired of being in that place where you're just doing enough to get by? God says, how about this? How about you trust me? Because I have something I want to do in you and through you that is bigger than you if you'll just give me everything. What we're talking about here is this, I'm going to tie back to a phrase we've used earlier in the series. This is kingdom giving. Sometimes when we talk about giving in the church, we think that the church wants our money. Sometimes the church does need your money, but not in that way. (laughs) At least not here. What we're talking about is kingdom giving is about giving my life to God. It's about saying yes to him as he invites us to whatever that next step is, even if it doesn't make sense, even if we don't understand what it is, God invites us in. Because God knows you, God is with you, God calls you, and God wants to work through you. Question is, are you willing to throw it down? 
So, are times uncertain? Yes. Will they be uncertain again in the future? Yeah. Will we have fear sometimes? Absolutely. But the question is, can we live in faith? And what I want to say to you is, I believe every single one of us in this room can live in faith. Can live in a way that we trust God with the whole of our lives our past, our present, our future. We can live in that way because God knows us, God's with us, God calls us, God wants to work through us. Which brings us back to Romans chapter 12, the passage we started with. And so dear brothers and sisters, Paul is writing this to these people and he's never even been to their church yet, but he knows about them and he's writing them this and he says, brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. In other words, everything you have. He might have said, if he was talking to Moses, your staff, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all God has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way we worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. We've talked already in here in this series about the behaviors and customs of this world. Behaviors like scarcity, behaviors like debt, behaviors like fear. Those are things that we don't have to live in. And so, so instead he's saying, don't copy those behaviors and customs, but let God transform you to be a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. And I want you to see that description of God's will. How does he describe it? It is good and pleasing and perfect. It is something that we should want to be a part of. So the question today is really pretty simple. Will you give it all? Are you willing to say yes with the whole of your life? Are you willing to drop your past, present, future some of us have some things in our past we're not so proud of, and some of us might even be thinking, Brian, if you even knew a little bit of my past, you would have, God would want nothing to do with that. But I want to tell you that God knows already. God is with you already, even in the midst of that, and God wastes nothing. Turn to your neighbor and say, God wastes nothing. You need to hear this. God wastes nothing. And some of us say, Brian, I don't know, even my life has much to add up to. And I want to say to you, God throughout history has used people of all kinds of places and times, especially the people who didn't feel like they had anything to offer. Some of you are reading through the New Testament. In John chapter 6, you've read this story this week, I think, where it tells the story about Jesus feeding 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish that were offered by this little boy. And John is the only one in the whole scripture that points this out, but it's kind of fascinating that those loaves were barley loaves. That means that's the worst kind of bread, if you don't know that. <laughs> that means you're super poor. You don't have much else. This little poor boy had something to offer God, and God used it in mighty ways. I don't know what it is for your life. I don't know what you have to offer, but whatever it is, God's saying, will you just trust me with it? Will you live in faith? And some of us are not so sure about our present. And some of us right now are going through some things we're not so sure. God, are you really faithful? Are you here? I want to challenge you to say, will, are you willing to trust God even if you don't feel him? That he's with you in the midst of it.
And then some of us in this room are really nervous about our future, the blank part of our staff, the parts that's not, that's not yet been written. Some of us are terrified, what will be next? What if this fill in the blank doesn't get resolved? Or what if it gets resolved, but in this way I don't want? I'm terrified what will happen. And God's saying, I know, and I am with you, and I love you. The question is, will you just trust me? Past, present, future. Will you lay it down? Some of us are hearing this kind of thing maybe for the first time. And maybe for some of us, we're wondering a little bit, what does that look like? And and maybe I'll just offer today this, that I don't really think this calls for a big movement in the service. What I think this is a challenge for more than anything is a change in posture. And maybe it starts today with just an attitude to say, God, whatever comes, whatever uncertainty is here, I'm just going to pray and say, God, I trust you that you've got this. And this posture and attitude of my heart that I will give it to you. Now, some of us in this room, if we're honest, are living on the excuse train a little bit. Right? That God's been calling us and asking us to take a step of faith, and we're not so sure we want to do it. And so we've got the excuses lined up. Cost too much, too much time. Do you know what I'm already doing? God, I'm already doing these other things for you. What about this? What about, what about, what about, what about? And I want you to hear God saying, what's in your hand? Will you just throw it down and give it to me? Will you just trust me? And for some of us, we've heard this before, and some of us maybe are really ready to say, God, I trust you with everything. And I want to encourage you, if that's you, even in this place where you're giving that over to him, I want to challenge you this week to share that with somebody else. Somebody needs to hear that story about how you're trusting God with your life, even the things that don't make sense. We're going to pray in just a second. The band's going to come. We're going to sing one more song together. And as we sing, I I would just want to challenge you, if you want to stand and sing with us, you're more than welcome to do that. But if you want to sit and pray, you're welcome to do that too. And I just want to invite you to a posture of saying, God, here's my life. My past, my present, my future, everything I have, I'm going to give to you. We bow your heads and hearts with me. Gracious God, we welcome you into this time and space in a special way. We ask that you would come and meet us exactly where we are. You know the things going on in our hearts. You know the things that maybe we're nervous about, that we're trying to kind of run from you. Some of us got some great excuses. Some of us are really good at excuses. God, if we're in the midst of making those excuses, we invite you to come and take those excuses away, that you would just tell us that you're with us and that you are more than able, whatever it is you're calling us to, that you can do that. God, for those of us who are maybe wrestling with the past, we, we, got, we ask, God, that you would remind us that you waste nothing. That with you, there's no small things. And so we just pray that in the midst of our past and our struggles with things that maybe keep coming back up to us, we, we pray that you would help us to trust you with those things. For some of us who are in the midst of a Right now, in the present, amidst of a big struggle, we pray that you would remind us that you're with us, that you have something better for us, that you are calling us, that you love us, and that you want to work through us. And for those who are struggling with our future, God, we just lay that at your feet. 
As we're asking, we don't know what's next. I'm terrified what's going to happen. God, we just want to give that to you and live in faith. Even though fear might be there, we want to live in faith. So you've promised us that you know us, you're with us, you call us, and you want to work through us. God, help us to trust that. We pray these things in Jesus' name.